Chapter Twenty One of The Stolen Singer by Martha Fletcher Bellinger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Twenty One. Jimmy Redivivus. If the occupants of the old red house felt overmuch inclined to draw a long breath and rest on their oars after their anxiety and recent excitement, Agatha's manager was able to supply a powerful antidote he was restlessness incarnate he was combining a belated summer holiday with what he considered to be good business seeing not only his prima donna secluded at ilium but other important people all the way from portland to halifax when he heard that the man who ran off with his racing car was also responsible for the mysterious departure of miss redmond his excitement was great you mean to say that you were picked up and drugged in broad daylight in new york he demanded of agatha practically that and you escaped the yacht foundered and that scamp walked right into your hands and you let him go agatha forced a rueful smile i confess i'm not much used to catching criminals mr straker paused lacking words to express his outraged spirit i don't mean you of course this whole outfit here what are they doing think they're put on in a walking party don't they know enough to go in out of the rain getting no reply to his fuming he came down from his high horse curiosity impelling what did he kidnap you for ransom no it seems that he mistook me for miss rainier the lady out there on the lawn talking with mr van camp mr straker bent his intent gaze out of the window i don't see any resemblance at all his crusty manner implied that agatha or somebody was to blame for all the coil of trouble and should be made to pay for it even i was puzzled smiled agatha i thought she was someone i knew nonsense growled mr straker anybody with two eyes could see the difference she's older and heavier what did the scoundrel want with her i don't know she's a princess or something mr straker jumped she is he cried lord why didn't you tell me i'm trying to advertisement he shouted joyfully jiminy christmas we'll make it up all this time lost princess who where from i guess you do look like her after all i see it all now headline strange confusion of identity which is the princess it'll draw crowds thousands agatha escaped leaving mr straker to collect from the others the details of his advertising story which he did with surprising speed and accuracy by the next morning he had pumped sally dr thayer and aleck van camp and had extracted the promise of an interview from miss rainier herself the only really unsatisfactory subject of investigation was mr hand whom straker watched for a day or two with growing suspicion straker had sputtered good-naturedly enough over the accident to his racing car and had taken it for granted in rather a high-handed manner that mr hand was to make repairs his manner toward the chauffeur was not pleasant being a combination of the patron and the bully it was exactly the sort of manner to precipitate civil war though diplomacy might serve to cover the breach for a time but the racing car ignominiously towed home 
by miss rainier's white machine stood undisturbed in one of the open carriage sheds by the church eluded by hand for the space of twenty-four hours and finding that the injury to the car was far beyond his own mechanical skill to repair mr straker sent peremptory word to charlesport and to the hillside for the services of a mechanician without satisfaction little simon thought the matter was beyond him but informed mr straker that perhaps the engineer at the quarry a native who had been to boston and qualified as chauffeur would come and look at it then for heaven's sake colonel get him to come and be quick about it adjured mr straker and tell him for me that there's a long yellow for him if he'll make the thing right he'll charge you two dollars an hour including time on the road solemnly announced little simon unimpressed by any mention of the long yellow had little simon liked he could probably have mended the car himself but mr straker's manner so effective on broadway was not to the taste of these country people he thought of them in their poverty as peasants but without the kindliness of the born gentleman what aleck van camp could have got for love mr straker could not buy and he was at last obliged to appeal to hand through agatha's agency i look at it again hand replied shortly when agatha addressed him on the subject the car being temporarily out of commission it was necessary for mr straker to adopt some other means of making himself and everybody about him extremely busy he took a fancy for yachting and got himself diligently instructed in an art which of all arts must be absorbed with the mother's milk taken with the three r's and followed with enthusiastic devotion in mr straker every qualification for seamanship was lacking save enthusiasm but as he himself never discovered this fact his amour proper did not suffer and his companions were partly relieved of the burden of his entertainment presently he made up his mind that it was time for him to see jimmy his nose trained for scenting news led him inevitably to the chief actor in the unusual drama which had indirectly involved his own fortunes and he saw no reason why he should not follow it at once you'd better wait a while cautioned dr thayer that young man pumped his heart dry as a seed pod and got some fever germs on top of that he isn't fit to stand the third degree just yet i'm not going to give him any third degree not a bit of it hero saved a princess and all that that's what's coming to him as soon as the newspapers get hold of it but i want to know how he did it and what he did it for tell him to buck up jimmy did buck up though mr straker's message still remains to be delivered he gathered his forces and exhibited such recuperative abilities as to astonish the old red house and all ilion dr thayer and each of his nurses in turn unconsciously assumed credit for the good work and sally kingsbury took a good share of pride in his satisfactory recovery two eggs regular she would say with all a housekeeper's glory in her guest's enjoyment of food there was enough credit to go round indeed and jemmy presently became the animated and interesting centre of the family he might have been a new baby and his bedroom the sacred nursery he was being spoiled every hour of the day did he have a good night agatha would anxiously inquire of mr hand 
can't tell which is night he sleeps all the time would be the tenor of mr hunt's reply or sally would ask as if her fate depended on the answer did he eat that nice piece of chicken aunt susan and mrs stoddard would say eat it it disappeared so quick i thought he'd choke wanted three more just like it but i told him that invalids were like puppy dogs could only have one meal a day well how'd he take that asked the interested sally he said if i thought he was an invalid any longer i had another guest coming says he'll be up and into his clothes by tomorrow and is going to take care of me says i'm pale and need a highball whatever that is never heard of it said sally he's a good young man if he did get pitched overboard went on mrs stoddard but he doesn't need me any more and i guess i'll be going along home i don't know but what the rest of us need you complained sally it's more of a sunday-school picnic here than you'd think what with a new york press agent and a princess to say nothing of that mr hand he certainly knows how to manage a sick man said susan he don't talk like a christian said sally mrs stoddard made her way to agatha in the cool chamber at the head of the stairs agatha in a dressing-sack with her hair down called her in and sent lizzie away you're not going are you mrs stoddard she took susan's two hands and held them lovingly against her cheek it won't seem right here without you you've done your duty agatha and i've done mine as i saw it i'm not needed here any more but i'll send angie over to help sally with the work after i get the crab apples picked agatha held mrs stoddard's hands closely ah you have been good to us there is none good but one quoted mrs stoddard nevertheless her eyes were moist with feeling you'll stay on in the old red house i don't know probably not for long but i almost wish i could i've learned a sight by you agatha i want you to know that said susan struggling with her reticence and her impulse toward confession oh don't say that to me mrs stoddard i can only remember how good you've been to us all but susan would not be denied i thought you were proud and vain and and worldly agatha and i treated you harsh i know no no whatever you thought it's all past now and you are my friend you'll help me to take care of this dear old place yes the lord will establish the work of your hands my child she suddenly turned with one of her practical ideas i wouldn't let that new city man in to see mr hamilton just yet if i were you is mr straker trying to get in to see mr hamilton knocked at the door twice this morning and i told him he couldn't come in why not said he danger of fever said i then mr hambleton asked me who was there and i said i don't exactly know but it's either miss redmond's maid's beau or a press agent and then mr hambleton called out as quick and strong as anybody go away i think i've got smallpox and he went off quicker in a wink and hasn't been back since mrs stoddard's grim old face wrinkled in a humorous smile i guess he'll get over his smallpox scare but mr hambleton don't want to see him not yet he wants to see you i'm going in to see him soon anyway said agatha but still she waited a little before going in for her morning visit with james it meant so much to her 
it wasn't going to be taken lightly and casually but with a little pomp and ceremony each day since the night of the crisis she had paid her morning call and each day she had seen new lights in jimmy's eyes in vain had she been matter-of-fact and practical treating him as an invalid whose vagaries should be indulged even though they were of no importance he would not accept her on those terms back of his weakness had been a strength more and more perceptible each day touching her with the sweetest flattery woman ever receives it was the strength of a lover's spirit looking out at her from his eyes and speaking to her in every inflection of his voice moreover while he stoutly and continuously denied his fever sickness he took no trouble to conceal this other malady as soon as he could speak distinctly he proclaimed his spiritual madness though nobody but agatha and possibly mrs stoddard quite understood i'm not sick don't be an idiot hand and give me a shave for heaven's sake anybody can get knocked on the head that's all the matter with me give me some clothes and you'll see even hand had to give in quickly jimmy's resilience passed all expectations he came up like a rubber ball and now on a fine september morning he was getting shaved and clothed in one of aleck's suits finally he was propped up in an easy chair by a window overlooking the towering elm tree in the white church mm, andy couldn't you get me some kind of a tie the soft shirt business doesn't look very fit does it without a tie coaxed jim if you ask me i say you look fine where'd you get all your good clothes i'd like to know inquired jim sternly looking at hans immaculate linen mrs Sally washes em after i go to bed in the morning confessed hans oh she does does she jeered jimmy well you'll have to go to bed at night like other folks now and then what'll you do i guess miss sally'll have to sit up nights modestly suggested hans when a slipper struck him in the back good shot what do you want now an opera hat he inquired derisively and ejaculated jim dismay settling on his features i've just thought do you suppose i'm paying hotel bills all this time at the la rue hand grinned unsympathetically if you engaged a room sir and didn't give it up i believe it's the custom that'll do for now handy andy if you can't get up any better answer than that lord what's that jim suddenly exclaimed as if he hadn't been waiting all ears for that very step in the passage i guess likely that'll be miss redmond replied the respectful hand and so it was agatha fresh as the morning stood in the doorway for a contemplative moment before coming forward to take jim's outstretched hand samson shorn she exclaimed gaily i hardly know you all fixed up like this oh i look much better than this when i'm really dressed up you know jim asserted agatha patted his knuckles indulgently looked at the thinness and whiteness of the hand and shook her head not gaining enough yet she said that isn't the right color for a hand it needs to be held longer oh no it needs more quiet fewer visitors no talking and plenty of fresh milk and eggs jimmy almost stamped his foot down with eggs he cried and milk too i'm going to institute a mutiny 
excuse me i know i'm visiting and ought to be polite but no more invalid's food for me handy andy and i are going to out to kill a moose and eat it eh andy but hand was gone agatha sat down in a big rocker at the other window in that case she said demurely we'll all have to be thinking of lynn and new york and work jim shamelessly turned feather oh no he cried i'm very ill i'm not able to go to lynn besides my time isn't up yet this is my vacation he looked up smiling into agatha's face ingenuous as a boy of seven do you always take such such venturesome holidays she asked i never took any before at least not what i call holidays he said if you don't come over here and sit near me i shall get up and go over to you and andy says i'm very wobbly on my legs and might by accident drop into your lap agatha pushed her chair over toward james and before she could sit down he had drawn it still closer to his own the doctor says my hand has to be held he assured her as he got firm hold of hers for shame she cried mustn't tell fibs tell me he begged is this your house really and truly it brought as he knew it would her ready smile yep she nodded and is that your tree out there yep ah he sighed it's great it's paradise i've dreamed of just such a heavenly place and andy says we've been here two weeks yes and a little more my holiday half gone his mood suddenly changed from its jocund and boyish manner and he turned earnestly toward agatha i don't know dear girl all that has happened since that night with you on the water hand shuts me off most villainously but i know it's heaven being here with aleck and everyone so good to me and you you've come back somehow like a reality from my dreams i watch for you you're all i think of whether i'm awake or asleep agatha earnestly regarded his frank face with its laughing true eyes jimmy she said he had begged her to call him that it seems as if i too had known you a long time more than these little two weeks it is more you said so put in jim yes a little more and if it hadn't been for you i shouldn't be here or anywhere i often think of that you see he cried i had to have you even if i followed you halfway round the globe even if i had to jump into the sea kismet you can't escape me but agatha was only half smiling no she protested it is not that i owe jimmy put his fingers on her lips tut tut dear girl you owe nothing except to your own courage and good swimming but as for me why you know i'm yours james agatha could not help preaching a bit just because we happen to be the actors in an adventure is no reason no real reason why we should be silly about each other we don't have to end the story that way oh don't we we'll see shouted jim and i'm not silly if some other people are i don't see why i should be cheated out of a perfectly good climax if you put it that way any more than the next fellow agatha dearest but she wouldn't listen to him no no 
she protested slowly but earnestly look here mr james hambleton of lynn i promise to do anything or everything that you honestly want after you get well i'll listen to you then but i'm not going to let a man who is just out of a delirium make love to me but i'm not just out i only had a whack on the head and that's nothing i'm strong as an ox i'm saner than anybody do listen to me agatha no no i mustn't but tell me dear you're free you're not he searched for the word that suited his mood you're not plighted she smiled no i'm not plighted ah he chortled and seized both her hands putting them to his lips she stood over him looking down tenderly time for your broth mr hambleton and mr strig wants to know if he can see you interrupted mr hunt can't see him andy i'm very busy began jim then added by the way who is mr straker tell him he may come in for a few minutes mr hunt directed agatha presently the manager was being introduced in the properest manner to the invalid agatha knowing james would need protection from quizzing stayed by now tell me wheedled mr straker the whole story just exactly as it happened to you please it's very important that i should know all the details so jimmy aided now and then by agatha delivered a strakerized version of the wreck and the arrival at ilion but before that questioned the manager how did you happen to be on the jean d'arc for the first time james hesitated not even agatha knew that part of the story i was picked up by the jeanne d'arc in new york harbor he replied slowly mr straker frowned how picked up out of the water what were you in the water for i had just dropped off a tug what for because i wanted the yacht to pick me up at this point mr straker directed a commiserating look at agatha it said crazy as plain as words what were you on the tug for i had followed the yacht what for the pause before james's next answer was apparent when it came there came with it that same seven-year-old look of smiling ingenuousness i just wanted to see what they were going to do with miss redmond jiminy christmas exploded mr straker any more kinks in the story how'd you know they'd stolen miss redmond and so jimmy had to tell it all with the abominable straker growing more and more excited every minute and agatha standing mute and awestruck looking at him it was plain that jimmy for the moment had the upper hand and that's about all he laughed what on earth man is the matter with you fumed straker didn't you know there were a hundred chances to one the yacht wouldn't pick you up jimmy nodded unabashed one chance is good enough for me nothing can kill me this trip i tell you i'm good for anything lucky stars over me i knew it all the time straker turned a disgusted face toward agatha he's crazy as a loon isn't he he questioned glumly but jimmy knew his man no not crazy mr straker only a touch of sun and it's glorious isn't it miss redmond 
she loved him for his boyish laughter for the rollicking spirit in his voice but her eyes suddenly filled as she pondered the meaning back of his extraordinary story with mr straker gone at last it was she who came to jim with outstretched hands you mean you heard me call for help there on the hill yep he answered suddenly sheepish and you followed to rescue me if you could yep of course ah james why did you do it jim's small boy expression beamed from his eyes i followed the voice and the face as i told you once before don't you remember i remember but why his seven-year-old mood was suddenly touched with poetic dignity i could not else he said looking into her face it was all tenderness and she did not resist when he drew her gently down till her lips touched his End of chapter twenty one